finish up our series today. I started a couple weeks back on God's secret weapon, and I spoke on the first week on authority, that God's given us authority to use to trample over scorpions, to trample, trample over the lies of the enemy. And then last week, we spoke on the, I spoke on the Holy Spirit, how that's your secret weapon as well. We have comfort in the Holy Spirit. We receive strength from the Holy Spirit. How many have been there where God's Holy Spirit has given you strength, stamina to overcome something that in your own natural being, you could never have done that? I think we've all been there, amen? And thank God for that. But today, I want to talk to you about the final one, and this is God's secret weapon. Okay, I talked to you about your secret weapons. Today, it's about God's secret weapon. Again, we're going to use 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 as our, as our text for this series. And let's read that again. If you'll open up your Bibles or just look on your outline or look on the screen behind me and boo, it's there. Thank you, Raquel. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 says it this way. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Let me just pray right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Again, we know your word is anointed. Now we pray for divine hearing, that we can hear your word, apply it to our life, exactly how you meant it for each of us as unique individuals here, Lord. Each of us are created differently. And we receive the word. Your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I, pr- I pray this afternoon, give us anointing to our, and our understanding that we might comprehend what your word is telling us today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. How many have been here for the last couple of weeks or heard at least one of them? The secret weapon? Amen. Amen. You guys have secret weapons. Now let's talk about God's secret weapon. It is people. People are God's secret weapon. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm God's secret weapon. Tell them that. You truly are God's secret weapon. This is, this is, uh, I'm really going to sum it up what I'm going to talk about here in the next few moments. But every time God wants to do something on earth, he taps on the shoulder of somebody and says, Let's go do this. That's what he does. Let me say that again. Every time God wants to do something on this earth, he taps on the shoulder of somebody and says, let's go do this. So let me give you some examples of what I mean by that. Uh, So, for example, before I even go there, the Bible says we're workers with him, not for him. Did you catch that? Because it's important to first understand that. We're workers with him. Each of, each of you, you and I can say, well, I work for God. Yes, true, but you work with him. See, he's the pilot. You're not the co-pilot. He's the pilot. If you were the co-pilot, we'd all be in trouble. If Pastor Rick was the co-pilot, we'd all be in trouble. He is the pilot. I'm just going, yes, sir, uh, this way, yes, sir, that way, yes, sir. I'm going by what his word is directing me to do. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, so uh, remember, there used to be a bumper sticker back in the day that would say, said, Jesus is my pilot and I'm the co-pilot, something like that. It's actually not correct. Jesus, you can't be the co-pilot. 
Jesus has to be the pilot. Amen. You're just a passenger along for the ride is what you really are. So we have to have an understanding that when we do something, we're doing something with God, not for him. Okay, now, now this is the way it works. How many remember the great story of Noah? God one day tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, Noah, uh, you and your three sons there and your wives, I, I want you to build an ark. It's going to be about this big, about that wide, and about this high. He gave them exact dimensions, the Bible says. Do you know that there was no Lowe's? There was no deep Home Depot. There was no Orchard Supply Hardware Store or any Yardbirds or whatever you can think of. There was none of those laying around. And Noah was not an architect, but he had to build this ark. And it took him 120 years, the Bible says. 120 years. So he built this ark, and, and you think of it, well, why, you know, the people, just imagine what was going on. He's building an ark, a boat, essentially, on dry land. He was not building it out on the ocean. He's building it on dry land. Every day, people are looking at him going, you've gone off the deep end. You've lost, you, you lost your marbles. Ever have anybody look at you that way before? You Don't raise your hand. But that happens when you listen sometimes to the word of God, what God is asking you to do. And you've got to understand this. It had never rained before. The Bible says it had never rained on earth. There were springs apparently from the earth that would bubble up, the Bible says, and would water and keep things green. But it had never rained from the heavens. So when Noah began to tell the people, you've got to get ready. Because see, he not only was building an ark, he was preaching to them at the same time of God's impending judgment for 120 years. See, the church is like that. The church is an ark, an ark of safety. It's telling people there is a day coming. There is a day coming. And, and ready or not, there is a day coming. Are you ready? Have you taken the steps of, of being in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? So there he is, Noah. You know, nobody, and he's building an ark. If you fast forward to the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 9, how many remember the great story of the conversion of Saul? Saul who persecuted Christians, who was killing the early Christian church. God used this man, a man taught in the synagogues by the great Gamaliel, the, the, one of the greatest teachers of the Jewish time. He, he knew the Jewish law backwards and forwards. And God chose that man who was killing Christians to become one of the greatest of the disciples in the New Testament, one of the greatest of the apostles. In fact, he's given credit for writing the majority of the New Testament. It's incredible. You and I would look at that person and say, well, no, I'm not going to pick that big bad guy right there, that guy with all the tattoos and looks ugly and is missing teeth up here or whatever. You're not going to do that. You're going to pick the guy that's you know, six foot four, the woman that looks like she, she participated in a Miss Beauty pageant and, and the one that has the perfect smiling teeth like an Osmond and, and they, they look just beautiful. You're going to pick that person. God doesn't work that way. Amen. He taps you on the shoulder and he says, are you willing? Are you willing? That's all he'll do. And then he wants to work with you and I. He wants to work with, with us. Amen? Amen. Now, the other thing you have to understand is if God picked the most talented person in the world, 
you would think it was just that person's talent and skills that got the job done. But when God does not, and he picks somebody that's, that the society has said, that's a person from the other side of the tracks, that's a person from the dregs of society, that's a person that never amounted no, but to no nothing, and God uses that person, then God gets all the glory. Amen? That's how God works. God tapped on Moses' shoulder. Amen. And I'm thankful for that, that he was obedient. And that's what I'm going to go into. I have a, a second sermon text, really. And it's, it's, it's found here in Exodus chapter 3. But before I go there, sometimes you and I can have the misconception that, well, God can only use me if I'm an eloquent speaker or if I have a voice like an angel, like Roberto Sacatani, you know, who was singing up here. Beautiful voice. Or, or if I can play the guitar like Martin, or if I can play the bass like Albert, anything like that. You kind of th- tend, tend to think, well, only then can God use you. But that's wrong. God can use you exactly where you're at. You don't need to have a talent. In fact, the, most, the number one thing that God desires is for people to pray. Pray, pray, pray. That's the number one gift you've each been given. By, heavenly, by our Heavenly Father, is this communication we have with Him. That's what prayer is, communicating with Him and saying, Lord, Lord, I need your strength today. Lord, I, I, I give you glory. I give you honor. I thank you for all the wonderful things you do. I pray that you, that you open this up for me for a job or, or this or that. Amen. How many have had their answers prayer or their prayers answered this year? How many have, have set something before the Lord and watched the Lord open a door? Yes. It's just amazing. Now, Moses, Moses, the, the story of the Exodus is just an amazing, amazing story. I'm, I'm going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I don't believe we have that up there. So you'll have to turn in your Bibles or just listen, listen as I read. Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read 10 verses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw saw that and thought, although the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over And see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Let me say that again. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Americanites. I'm just kidding. It doesn't say that. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Verse 10, this is the key right here. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Did you catch that again? God Almighty is saying, I am going to save my people. How did he do that? He sent you. And he sent you. And he sent you. God's secret weapon is his people. God cannot do nothing outside his people. He uses us. I mean, he can if he really wanted to, but he wants to use you and I. Amen. It's so important to understand that that God uses people. Because see, our natural reaction is to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm Moses, and just like he did, he, he said this. He said, Lord, but, 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 but the Bible says he was a stutterer. He was a man of slow speech. He said, Lord, how am I going to speak? And the Lord just said, don't worry about that. He goes, I'll give you your brother Reuben, or Aaron. I got my brother Reuben back there. I'll give you your, my, uh, your brother Aaron. He'll speak for you. It's what the Bible says. See, God already had a plan, plan B. But the, if you notice, when Moses did speak to the Pharaoh, it was never Aaron speaking. It was Moses. You know why? Because God gives us the strength in the moment to do his will. Amen? Aren't you thankful that he gives you his strength? And here Moses is thinking, I could never do that. Who am I? Who am I to come up to Pharaoh, big, bad, you know, mighty wolf here at that time? And that man with one word could have, could have quashed him, but the Holy Spirit was there. God's presence was there to protect him. Amen? Our natural reaction is to think of excuses why we can't do it. Why I can't do this. Why I can't do that. It's our natural reaction. If God equips you to do, do the job, you got it all covered. You're all, you're all covered. See, we often think that God only calls the equipped. How many know that God calls, when He calls you, He will equip you, Amen. He will equip you once he calls you. And that's so important to understand that. You may be here today saying, Pastor Rick, I could never get up there and play a guitar or a bass or drums or anything. Um, maybe so, but have you tried it? Don't knock it till you try it. Amen. Let God be your strength. Pastor Rick, I could never get up there and speak in front of everybody. My knees shake when I get up there to speak to, to a crowd. Well, have you tried it? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to move through you and speak through you? Yeah. It's amazing. I never would have thought I'd be up here in front of people. That's the last thing I wanted to do is be in front of people, much less be a pastor. I never grew up thinking that was my goal in life. Never. But God has a plan. Amen? Amen. Aren't you thankful that God has a plan? Yeah. Let's go to your outline. I have a few scriptures, and the next scripture I have on there is found in the book of Micah. Chapter 6 and verse 4. And again, this is out of the NIV version. And it says the following. I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. What the Lord was saying there is that he not only saved you, 
But he used people to accomplish his will. Once again, God is using people, those around us, to accomplish his will. It's just amazing what I've seen in my life of, of how God uses people to fulfill his, his task, his will. Amen? God always has and always will use people to fulfill his plan. It's not going to change. Just because you may say, no, I can't do it, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. God will raise somebody else up. But here's the thing. Don't miss this. If God taps you on the shoulder, let's listen for that voice. Let's listen for that voice. Here's the question I have for each of you today. Are you willing to answer God if he taps you on the shoulder? Are you willing to answer him and say, here I am, Lord. What would you like me to do? Much like Samuel said in the New Testament with, with Eli, the prophet. Are you willing to say, here I am, Lord? See, the question really isn't, is he going to tap you on the shoulder? Let me tell you this. He will tap you on the shoulder. The question really becomes, what are you going to do about it? Because God will nudge you. God will encourage you. He is going to tap you on the shoulder. And are you willing to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Take care of me. I, I, I can only... I can relate to this just by um, my move here to American Canyon as a pastor. I was in Napa with my family in uh, Foothill Christian in Napa. And I was helping out Pastor Steve there, like an uh, assistant uh, pastor there. And essentially he would, um, it got to the point where he originally planted this church in 2009. We met at Canyon Oaks Elementary School. And this man right here, James, helped set up. And he's here today from our Napa church just helping us out today. Give him a big hand. He's here today. (coughs) Excuse me. Drink some water here. Speaking this morning kind of got a little bit to my my throat there. But one of the things that Pastor Steve did was he started in 2009. We had somebody there as a lead pastor. And then there was really a spot. It was a vacancy. There was nobody there. So he was pastoring, going back and forth from Napa to American Canyon every Sunday, doing that for... For a while. And, and then he tapped me on my shoulder. And he said, hey, uh, Pastor Rick, I really feel that the Lord's calling you over here to, to preach. I looked at him and said, what are you trying to kick me out? <laughs> but uh, honestly, what I told him was, well, I, I want to help you. But um, I, I really need the Holy Spirit. I need God to tell me that's where I need to be. How many know when you're doing ministry, you want to make sure God is leading you. You want to make sure God is telling you to go. And so when he asked me, I didn't go right away. But a few months later, guess who's knocking on my shoulder? On Anna's and my shoulder. God is. He's really telling us, it's time for you to leave this place. And I want you to transition to this church. And you are to lead this church. And it was only then that we, we came back and told Pastor Steve, you know what? God has, has spoken to us and he's told us. And that was in 2013. And we've been the lead pastor since then, since 2013. But my first reaction was, uh, maybe we, God, get somebody else. I, I've never led a church before. I've never grown a church before. I've never done that. And uh, this was just 2013, six years ago. God does amazing things when you step out in faith, doesn't he? Oh, there's so many people here, dozens and dozens and dozens of people that we've met 
Some have come, some have gone, some have passed on the glory that we've met. Beautiful people like yourselves. And I wouldn't trade a second of that in to be back, you know, where I was at before. Because God has a plan. Amen. God can use you. So how does this work? How does this work? I have, I have three quick points on here. Number one, follow his general will. I mean, you know that God has a general will for all of us. And, and it first starts off with this. The book of Mark, chapter 12, uh, verses 30 through 31, instruct you and I to love God and then to love one another. The Bible says to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength and to love one another. I get it. Sometimes loving God is a lot, is a lot easier than loving one another, right? Sometimes we as, as people can have uh, trouble Loving on one another. How many people dread those Thanksgiving get-togethers with family members, in-laws and outlaws, and so forth, right? And then you have to see those people that you don't normally have to see and you have to put up with them, right? Well, God says you're to love them. God didn't say, well, you can just love the people at your church, but you don't have to love the people at Walmart. No, he didn't say that. He said, love everybody. Amen. Love everybody, including those in line at Walmart. Yeah including those cashiers, including those at the DMV or at the post office. Amen. Love everybody. So that's the, that's the general will of God. The second part of that is he gave us a great commission found in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 28. There's two verses, 19 through 20. Jesus says, go into all the nation, go into all the world. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We're disciples. We are to instruct those around us. Again, some of you come from areas that you have areas of influence, circles of influence that I don't. And I have circles of influence that you don't. Each of us can impact different communities in your own way. We have some people that are in the health field, some people that are fabricators, some people that work in offices, Sacramento, Marin County, I mean, from all over. And each of you impact so many different people all across the world here, really. And, and God has commanded us, love on them. Go into the world and reach them. It's not up to you to convert anybody. That's God's job, the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is just to display the love of God to them. Amen? amen. I, I didn't hear you. I, I need to get a loud amen on that one because that is our task. We are to love on people and share the word of God with them. How many would agree that's not a very hard thing to do, is it? No. So that's the general will for your life. Number two, and before I say that, let me say this. God starts us or feeds us the basics before he can lead us to the miraculous. God will always start with the basics before he gives us the miraculous. So now when we go into number two, following his specific will. How many believe God has a specific will for your life? Amen? Amen. He does. You're never too old. You're never too young. You're never too shy. God has a specific will for each of you. And it's revealed in a specific way. Number one, it's revealed through this right here, through his word. See, here's the thing. If you come to me and tell me that God spoke to you and it contradicts the word of God, 
Guess who's right? He is. His word is always right. If you contradict what it says, uh, that's not his will for you. If, if you tell me that God spoke to you and said that, that you are to leave your wife, man, or if you are to leave your husband, woman, and, and, and begin a relationship with this young single guy that's, or a single woman that's got all this money in the world, that's not of God. How many know that? Because the word of God speaks contrary to that. Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. We are to trust in the word of God. Romans 12 and 2 says the following. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you figured it out yet? His will is perfect for your life. You can try to get around it. You can try to do it your way. But he's constantly going to throw that net. He's going to throw that net and bring you back. And just say, I love you so much. Here's the perfect will for your life. He'll never lose sight of you. He always has you in mind. Amen. And then, and then in addition, how do we... How is it revealed to us in a specific way? Through his Holy Spirit. And I spoke on that last week, but listen to the words in John 16 and verse 7. Out of the Amplified Version, it says it this way. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. How beautiful is that? To know that you don't walk this life alone. To know that when you have drama at work, at home, wherever it is, you do not walk alone. God walks with you. Yes, amen. Just, just the peace and the comfort alone. I'm there. Lord, you're my peace. You're my comfort in the middle of a storm. The actual word helper, the Greek word is parakletos, which means our comforter, our helper. He is the one that provides help. It's not the, the government. It's not your, your paycheck, every biweekly paycheck or monthly paycheck. It's not that. It's not your 401k. It's not your pension. That's not your comfort. Because that can be here one day and gone tomorrow. Let me tell you, it can all be gone. If you don't believe me, ask millions of people that have lost pensions, lost paychecks, gotten fired. And, and such things do happen. Our trust is in the Lord who provides us comfort. Amen? Yeah. And then see for community. These are, this is another way that um, God's will can be revealed to us in a specific way. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 out of the NIV says it this way. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. How many believe we're in the last days? Amen. We are in the last days. We need to encourage one another. But let me tell you a secret here. I can't encourage you if you're not here. I can't encourage you. God wants 
you to know that he needs you to surround yourself with like-minded people. Yes. The toughest people, the toughest jobs in this world are when you do life by yourself. When you're a hermit, when you do life by yourself, yes, it can be done. But boy, oh boy, do you lose out on so many blessings. Can you have a relationship with God? Absolutely. But you lose on so many relationship levels. That's what community, that's what the church is all about. Amen? Amen. We need each other. You've heard me say this here often. We are stronger together. Amen? We are stronger together. I need you, Andrew. I need you. Amen? You're a major part of this church. I need every one of you. And hopefully you need me too, but more importantly, hopefully you need God. Amen? Sometimes we haven't, or let me take you to the next one. I'm getting ahead of myself. Our, our point number D, or letter D, stands for your dreams and desires. Dreams and desires. Anybody here ever have dreams? Desires. Hopefully you still have goals, right? How many still have goals? You still have goals. Amen? And God is, a, is working toward that end to, to give you the dreams, the desires of your life. Let's read what it says in Psalms 37 and verse 4. The NIV version says it this way. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh man, I love that scripture. And it's not about... Selfishness, oh Lord, I want the brand new Corvette. And Lord, I want that new Apple 11. Oh my goodness, what a, what a beautiful, pretty phone that is. It's not about that. It's not about any of that. You know how blessed you are just to have a good relationship with each other? Amen. You know how blessed you are to have a good relationship with your mother and father if they're still alive? You know how blessed you are to be in a church? I mean, those, is, those are the things I'm talking about. Matthew 6.33 says it another way, but it's really a parallel scripture with that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, and then all these other things will be given to you. Okay, God is saying, here, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. But first, you have to seek me first, the Bible says. Seek him first. And his righteousness. That means pursue him. Pursue him. Do you want to know how God has blessed my family, Anna and I? Because we have put him number one. He's not number two. He's not number three. He's number one. My children are blessed. My wife is blessed. I have a, a beautiful wife of 25 years. I'm thankful for that. I don't take it for granted. Yes. And it can all go away tomorrow if I don't put him number one. I have to always put him number one. So again, that's how my dreams and desires have come to pass because I've put him number one. Amen, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Let me stop there. Everything that you can ask or imagine right now. Let's add these up. Your thoughts, your thoughts, your thoughts, my thoughts. All those thoughts and add them all together. And we got all these thoughts, imaginations. And God is saying that he can do immeasurably more than all of that. Imagine that. That's a God that is powerful. That's a God that loves you. That's a God that's saying, hey, put me first and watch me. Watch me give it a try. Watch what I do in your life. Check it out. Amen? Yeah. But sometimes, again, we have to, 
We have to be careful, as I mentioned right here just a moment ago, of those desires that in the flesh we would want to have. You know, if you're, if you're rooting for, um, if you're praying for Raider season tickets or 49er season tickets, well, that's great. But then I might not see you on Sundays anymore. You know, be careful what you pray for. You, you got to keep all those things in mind. Everything with moderation. Every, just be careful with that. Sometimes the things that we desire will take us out of the will of God. That's all I'm saying. Nothing wrong with going to Raider games or Niner games. I encourage you. Go have a great time. Be safe though. Amen. Be careful of the carnal flesh desires that, you would, that would keep you from God is what I'm saying. And then E, the final point here for number two is the church. Psalms 92 and verse 13 says it this way. Be planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. See, when you're planted, when you have roots, how many like to grow plants? How many, any people like to grow plants? I love to grow plants, indoor plants, outdoor plants. I don't get enough time to do it, but I love to do that. But when they take root, they flourish. A little tiny plant, a little strong wind comes over and boom, it's dead because it has no roots. But when it takes roots, they grow up beautiful and they flourish. That's what the Lord wants for each of us, to be planted. See, the Lord doesn't consider you an orphan. He considers you his child. You are to be together in this larger family as a church. We are a church family, amen? We are God's family. You are no longer orphans, amen? You now have a family. You now are to flourish with your family. What I, again, I love what I see out here. I see, I see every color. I see American Canyon represented here. The demographics. And I love that because it's heaven. It's heaven. It's what I see here is heaven. This is your church family. Amen? Mm-hmm. We, we do things like growth track where we first connect you. The first one was last week was, was connecting you and about membership. Um, what is the church all about? Who is Pastor Rick? And I tell you a little bit about that. The second one is discovering um, your, your, your strengths and so forth, your unique abilities. Uh, I haven't been as good as I should be on following up on these, but we have a total of four of them. Growth track number three and four. And we do this to connect you with our body. Really what I want you to do when you come in here, I want to plug you in and have you start serving somewhere. Have you start giving your heart in some area. God can use us all. Amen. We do growth track. We do connect groups. We do life together in the house of God. Amen. And I'm going to get ready to close here. I've got one last point. Number three, start something small. Here you may be here today going, um, Pastor Rick, I, I, I don't know what to do for the Lord. I, I, I'm not gifted vocally. I'm not gifted musically in any such way. I'm not gifted um, to speak. I'm not gifted to teach. I don't know what I can do. I know what you can do. You can pray. Pray. What my wife did, that was total unannounced. I didn't know she was going to call me up to the front. I, I had no idea what she was doing there. But I appreciate your prayers. I covet your prayers. I feel those prayers. When you pray for me, I have strength that, that I need, uh, and I appreciate that. But you can certainly pray, all of you, every single one of you. Pastor Rick, I'm too old. I can't do anything. You can pray, pray. Pray, pray. Let me encourage you. Prayer. We cannot get enough prayer. Amen? Amen. 
The Bible also says this, do not despise small beginnings. You know, one of the things about the Open Door Church, it began in the living room in 1984, the church I preached at this morning here. They began in a living room in Vallejo in 1984. I don't know if you knew that. And now they're, they've got well over 150 people. I don't, I don't know how many regular members they have. But they're, they're a decent-sized church now. And uh, all started in a living room. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise small beginnings. It's a leap of faith. See, if, if it was something simple and you could do it in your own ability, God's probably not calling you to do that. God's probably calling you to step out of your comfort zone into an area that you have no idea how it's going to be, sink or swim. That's why he wants you to trust in him. That's why he wants you to say, I have no idea how to do this. He wants you to be a Moses, a Noah, a Saul turned into Paul. And he wants you to say, I trust you. Where are you going to take me? I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to follow you. Amen? Amen. Listen to the words of this author named Eugene Peterson and what he used to describe the life of a believer. Listen to these words. A long obedience in the same direction. This is the life of a believer. A long obedience in the same direction. That's a believer. It shouldn't be, well, I'm going this way, up, oh, now I'm going that way, up, oh, now I'm going that way. It's this way. It's charged, it's straight ahead. That's what a true life of a true believer is. Walking in obedience in the same direction. Now, does it mean you're perfect? No. Because Pastor Rick's not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We fall short of the glory of God. But what it is saying, what he is saying is, we just pick ourselves back up. But we keep marching in the same direction. We keep walking in obedience. And, walking, and watching how God blesses you. And blessing the relationships that you have. Amen? See, when I was the first person in my family that got saved. I, I was the oldest one. My mom and dad were not saved. My brother wasn't saved. My sisters weren't saved. God called me out, saved me. I began to witness. I didn't have nothing to do with it, but the Holy Spirit was able to work through me and into their lives. Then my mom got saved. Then my sister got saved that same year, later that same year. Then another sister got saved the year after. Then my father got saved. I think it was two years after that. And then my brother got saved 10 years after I got saved. What that says is, don't stop praying. Yeah. Don't stop praying. Keep believing. Are you praying for somebody right now? Are you praying for someone to come to Christ? Pray for them. God hears those prayers. He's not deaf. God hears them, but he wants you to continue to pray for them. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. 